Welcome everybody to episode two of Saved by the Ball, the Motown Chronicles. This episode, we're going to be talking about the state of the Lions before the offseason. With me again is Gervin. And today we have a special guest, Matthew. What's going on, guys? <laughs> he works with me. He's a good friend, a good friend of mine. We went to nursing school together and we work together now. And he's also in love with the Lions like we are. So we decided to have him on as well. We're going to start this off by everyone giving our opinion on Bob Quinn. We already know what happened with Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia. We're going to start off by just talking about Bob Quinn and what our, all of our opinions were of him. So, German, we'll start off with you. What did you think about Bob Quinn and his time here? Sure. So, um, you know, I was I was pretty big on Bob Quinn from from the day he, he, he joined the team. Um, you know, when you think about what he was, he's exactly what you're looking for when you want a GM, or at the time, what you want in a GM. He was young, he had a scouting background, um, and, you know, he came from a winner and a organization that seemed to have structure. Um, but the thing is, I think he trusted his own scouting a bit too much. You know, he reached on a lot of players that even us as fans knew were reaches. Matisse Tabor, Jelani Tavai, um, Will Harris, just to name a couple. Um, you know, he did find some gems too, and, you know, I think that's where his scouting acumen came into play. You know, Galladay he found, and I think it was the third or fourth round. Uh, Taylor Decker's pretty pretty reliable. Um, but, you know, from there, it's it's not too much, right? There's a lot of question marks. Uh, Tracy Walker, is he good? Deshaun Hand, you know, who knows? I mean, he showed some flashes. They traded up for him. Um, and he hasn't really panned out. He had a good rookie season, but he's been hurt. And even when he's been on the field this year, it's, it's, it hasn't really panned out for him. You know, Oruwario is probably his his biggest, you know, steal. That was in the sixth round. And, you know, he's probably our best corner right now. So but we'll get into the roster construct a bit later. But, you know, it's, it's not a good thing. Um, and, you know, he, he found some steals in, in you know, Ragnow. Ragnow was a reach at the time, but he's probably one of the best centers in the game at the moment. Um, and, you know, even this year, Kenesini, he's probably one of our best defensive tackles. Um, but, you know, there's, like I said, I think he just trusted his scouting a, a bit too much. Um, you know, Tavai, a even Akuda, you know, we could have gone in so many different directions, and it seems like that wasn't the pick to make. You know, looking back, um, there's a couple others. Um, Carry on, you know, we traded up for him too. Uh, you know, I love Carry on, but uh, what is he? And and you know, if you're gonna spend assets to trade up for someone, and then you know, two years later, just having be a, a a decoy and a blocking back, you know, that's not the best use of assets. So that's that's what I think of him. You know, he didn't seem to be scared to pull trigger on any big moves you know he tried there was that Gronk trade that fell through he traded for snacks and then on the flip side you know he traded away Slay Tate and Diggs you know he wasn't afraid to make those big moves um but again it was just too much for his system right he was trying to fit a system and I don't think it translated too well in Detroit so um and then you could really see it by the end you know I, I mentioned I was a Bob Quinn guy but I didn't realize how bad it was you know, until only a couple weeks ago after his firing. I look, looking at the roster now, it is complete garbage. There's no building blocks anywhere, um, especially on defense, right? And and that's kind of the biggest measure of what a GM is. You know, where the roster stands now, you know, three years in, and, and it's probably the worst it's been in a while. So, you know, I, I've changed my opinion on Bob Quinn very quickly, and it wasn't until, you know, very recently that I was, you know, fully on board with, with firing him. You know, I was on board with actually getting rid of Patricia and having Quinn keep his job. But now that's, that's definitely not the case. You know, looking back, it's the roster is complete garbage. 
Um, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. What do you guys? Yeah, think? no, the, the 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 roster is is depleted. To like you said, we have no corner store anywhere on this team besides Matt Stafford. But it's like he has two years left. <laughs> but before I get started, Matt, what do you think about Bob Quinn and what was your opinions of his time here? Yeah, Grimmins hit really all the good points. Um, I would definitely agree. Going into it, I was excited about him because of his age, because of the scouting background as well. Um, he also hit the point as you look back at the drafts, um, 2016, really, that draft was probably one of the better years getting Taylor Decker. Um, I was big on the Ashawn Robinson draft too, but then it was a guy just that never was developed well and never uh, seemed wanted in Detroit, which he should have been because I did think he was a good defensive tackle. Um, and you just look at guys years on after that, like you said, Tease Tabor, is he even in the league now anymore? I believe he is, but... He's not a staple name, and he was a second-round draft pick. Obviously, we're happy about uh, Kenny Galladay, and we're definitely hoping we're going to re-sign him very soon. Yeah, you just look over the years, and you look at these drafts and realize that these are guys that are not going to be long-term, and these are guys that we haven't put the focus in to develop. Tyrell Crosby in the fifth round, I I also thought that was a good draft pick, and then they're just not developing him very well at all. So um, it almost seemed like a waste of time. I hate to say it, but um, it seems like they came here with a motive and then kind of just left us in the worst position possible going into next year. Agreed. It kind of it kind of reminds you of the Chip Kelly situation with the Eagles. Uh, that's that's what it takes me back to is what happened here. Just a lot of our good players traded away. The roster is depleted with reaches in the draft, uh, bad free agent signings. Um, initially, I thought he was good. Initially, I thought he was going to work out here. But I think his biggest mistake came is when he tried to build the Detroit Patriots. Um, he, he tried to do something that wasn't going to happen here. Um, I get the changing the culture for a better culture, but trying to build the Detroit Patriots without Bill Belichick is just not going to happen. And that's where his biggest fall came. He brought all the right players in, I thought, for the system. He didn't have the right coach for the system, though. And I guess we could have saw that from the last Super Bowl Matt Patricia coached in. It was a terrible showing for his defense, and that's what continued to show on in his time in Detroit. Moving on to Matt Patricia, which I fucking hate him. Um, he can just go kick rocks. What do you guys think about Matt Patricia, and do you guys think he'll be hired again anywhere in the league? Uh, he shouldn't be. He, sh- he shouldn't have a job in football. You know, not regardless of head coach, coordinator, assistant, he should not have a job in football. And to be honest, I don't even think he'd be a good engineer. He's, he's frantic. He's disorganized. He's not prepared. I don't, I hate Matt Patricia. You know, okay, maybe just starting from the top. Again, this is, just remove the name. This is the kind of coach you want, you know, a young coach, an X's and O's guy. You know, he's won Super Bowls. He's kind of been at every position group on an NFL team. He started on offense, went to defense, linebackers, defensive coordinator. He he just, you know, he never panned out. You know, I'll I'll be honest, he had me duped. Uh, I, I thought he was a genius. You know, looking back, that, that very first game with the Jets was a, was a poor foreshadow of, of what exactly was going to happen with us. But I, I actually I, I actually fan. have a story about that Jets game after you're done. Yeah, yeah, I, I was actually at that game. <laughs> I was at that game, and the very first play play was a pick six, and it was just downhill from there, and then uh, it, it was bad. Um, but even like I think it was 2018, you know, the D line was Ziggy Snacks. Um, they had um, Mike Daniels, Deshaun Hand. You know, Slay, Diggs, Quinn. You know, they had me. I was, I was, anyone would tell you I was saying it was a top five defense, and and I was adamant about it. Now I look like an idiot now, but you know, Matt Patricia was his inability to to you know in game manage his inability to 
you know, changes game plan on the fly what was ridiculous. They were playing an antiquated style of football and they wouldn't change. All because, you know, he thought it was the right way to play football and that was the basics of football. His whole thing was building on the fundamentals of football. But his teams were garbage at tackling. They didn't play smart and they were the most penalized teams in the league. I mean, this is not fundamentals. I don't know what they were trying in practice. And I don't know what kind of culture they were trying to portray in practice. But it wasn't being, you know, shown on the field. And that's just a poor portrayal of what he is and what his team is. You know what I mean? No, I agree. I agree. Matt, what do you think about Matt Patricia? I got to be honest. I was skeptical of him to begin with. I did think he was a good defensive coordinator with the Patriots, but I didn't think he would be anything uh, further than that. I honestly didn't see him becoming a head coach anywhere. Um, And then you kind of look back at his coaching history he was more so like an offensive assistant for most of his career. And then he kind of got transitioned into a linebacker's coach, a safeties coach, and then into a defensive coordinator. So there's not much of a resume there. Um, so when they hired him, I was, I was skeptical. And then I think he came in with a motive. And I think that motive backfired in his face very quickly. He lost the locker room. He lost all the guys. And I don't think it ever stood a chance. Honestly, it might've been after the first year he was, uh, um, signed to come yeah, here. Yeah, no, it was. So, it was. I think it was a failure from the yeah, beginning. Yeah, no, I agree. It was, you know, to, to touch base on that. Um, you know, I think his first year started off with that that sexual assault thing, where he's accused of, I don't know, harassing some some women or, or whatever back. Yeah. You know, in, in I think it was like 1994 or something. But you know, from that yeah. day, you know, he kind of hated the media. You could tell in year one, he he hated the media. He wouldn't talk to them. So it was kind of this thing where everybody outside the organization started to hate him. He started to hate the media, and then everybody on the inside of the organization hated him as well. You know, there's rumors of, you know, uh, him protecting, you know, uh, football, you know, tactics and, and stuff from marketing teams and sales teams and just other portions of the, uh, you know, the Lions organization. And they, there was a, a brick wall, and there was just no communication. So, you know, he came in with, to build this culture. You know, it's ironic that he essentially destroyed anything that was already here. There is no cohesion between any of the departments within the Lions. Um, no. and, and football is kind of on its own island at the moment. And, and that's kind of why they brought in uh, Chris Spielman to kind of, you know, mend those fences and, and kind of, you know, blend everything together back yeah. then. So I agree with you, you know, absolutely. It, right from the get-go, it was a disaster. Just to add one more thing to real quick, um, and just about what you guys were saying earlier, I, I agree. I don't think he deserves to work again for a little while, but you know how these guys are. They have friends everywhere, so he'll he'll have a job immediately. I agree. You know how it goes. Um, yeah, to you touch know, too, base. I mean, in his defense, to be honest, you know, Quinn, I mean, just look at this team. This, I mean, this year's team, right? He, the, the, the players that Quinn got him are complete garbage. I mean, and just look at Jelani Tavai has, has cinder blocks, his feet. He is probably the slowest linebacker I've ever seen yeah. in my life. Um, you know, Jared Davis, he's a complete idiot. He has no brain, you know. Yeah, he's athletic, he's fast, but he doesn't play with a brain. You know, Justin Coleman, you know, highest-paid slot corner in the league, or, or was at some point. Uh, that's probably one of the worst signings of the year. I mean, you know, I'm still on the, you know, I, I'm still not a Matt Patricia fan, but in his defense, a little bit, you know, Quinn did not do a good job of providing any tools for him to succeed. Yeah, uh, I'd agree with that. To touch bases on Matt Patricia, in the beginning, like you said, German, I was a little bit excited because he was a young defensive uh, coordinator. Our team really was good on offense at the time, so I think all we needed was our defense to play better, so I was excited from that aspect. But after, as soon as I saw a couple of games, I hated this guy. I didn't want him here anymore. I wanted him gone. And actually, my story that I was about to tell, it wasn't that uh, first game against the Jets. It was the second year, his first game against the Cardinals. 
me and you were texting during that game, German, and uh, <laughs> you were <laughs> you were telling me, oh, stop acting like the sky is falling, because I, I was calling out all the things that he wasn't doing right, and you were just like, <clears throat> at the time you were defending him, you are like, oh, no, don't worry, it's going to be straight, they're going to be a good defense, this and that, and I could tell from right then, I was like, this guy is not a good coach, he's a dumbass, like, he doesn't know what he's doing, when the quarterback has all day to throw and you're not putting any pressure on him, and then on top of it, you're not even blitzing, what do you expect to happen? You're going to get shredded. And I think I predicted, me and you made a bet at the beginning of that game. I was like, they're going to finish last in the division. And they ended up finishing last in the division that year. I don't know if you remember that or not. <laughs> yeah, I do. I don't think I ever paid it out, but. No, it's straight. I, down, so. It's straight. But I, I was just saying from that point, I knew how terrible he was. I knew from the first season, I was just like, this guy is not going to work out here. He, he doesn't make adjustments. One of his biggest things was he never made halftime adjustments. The same thing that was going on in the first half, the team could come in in the second half and do the same things on our uh, on our defense. It was just step back, get five to ten seconds in the pocket all day to just find the open receiver and pick us apart. And our we didn't we, and it wasn't even like we could stop the run game. Our run they, they would run all over us too. So it was like from both aspects that we were just getting shredded. I hated the guy. Didn't didn't yeah, like him. He bad. just came out very arrogant and stupid. The stuff that Slay kind of came out with and said was said to him supposedly that just kind of made him even seem more arrogant and over his head. He thought he was bigger than he was, I believe, and that was his biggest reason for his downfall. I think he was a dumbass that was in over his head. Absolutely. One thing we didn't mention was, you know, his coordinators and his coaching staff. You know, up in, this year he actually went out and and, and got some real coaches. You know, um, <clears throat> I forgot his name, but the linebackers coach from the Titans he brought in. Uh, but you know, even Corey Unlin, you know, he brought in his defensive coordinator from an outside organization finally. But it's just one of his boys. You know, he, he's quoted saying, you know, back in like 20, 2016 or whatever that him and Corey Unlin go way back. So you know. Yeah. Even Paul Pasqualoni, was his, he was the guy who brought him into football, right? It was kind of just a, you know, was it like a favor? Syracuse I mean, guys, I don't know, but yeah. that guy was garbage. He was a complete garbage, you know, defensive coordinator. And, you know, looking back, maybe he was just a scapegoat because now that we know that Matt Patricia is, a, you know, an idiot himself, you know, maybe, maybe Pasqualoni doesn't, you know, deserve this, you know, bad, you know, publicity, but I, I don't know. I'm just, it just goes back to, you know, them sticking within the Patriots organization and, and you know, not not adjusting and, and not you know changing their ways paving your own way yeah yeah no oh, but <clears throat> matt patricia is definitely to blame though he doesn't escape from no blame all right yeah. going on to the next segment we're going to speak about how the team got to where it is now you guys all remember the famous quote from bob quinn that this team's too good to be going in nine to seven so what do you guys think led to from the events to lead this team from nine to seven to where we are now so i think uh, before we talk about just actual moves, just an overall, you know, ideology, you know, I think they came in with this attitude, hey, you know, we're better, we know what we're doing, and, and it's our way or the highway. Um, and then he started rooting out the guys that were here, I guess, that didn't follow his way. And Glover Quinn, you know, Theo Riddick, everyone forgets about Theo Riddick. He was a big part of that. Jim Caldwell teams, you know, Golden um, Golden Tate was gone, Quandre Diggs. Um, even Snacks Harrison, you know, they brought him in and then and then they, they, they shot him out because he didn't fit the culture. You know, I, I don't think those are the moves that a rookie head coach can make, especially when you're losing, right? You can ask your GM, hey, I'm not getting along with this guy. Ship him out. If you're, if you're winning games, if you're losing games and you're getting worse, you know, those kind of moves didn't make sense to me. So those are kind of the moves that, you know, we're alluding to, you know, how are we here? You know, you're tr- you traded away the, the, the culture setters of the locker room. That's the first thing. You know, and they weren't bums either. They were, they were probably captains. You know, they were the leaders of the defense. 
uh, and you know, often they play key roles. Um, so you know, that's for me, that's probably the, the first big thing that led to where we are now is is gutting the culture and the the captains of the roster. What do, what do you think about not replacing Glover Quinn? And I know they tried to replace Slay, but getting expecting a third overall rookie to come in and replace a Pro Bowl type of cornerback is just unrealistic. And I know they signed Trufant, but Trufant has an injury history as well. I think that's where they kind of went wrong too is with their free agent signings man i hated these little one to two year deals which kind of has our team screwed over right now they never replaced glover quinn like i said they never replaced quandre Driggs. they try to take tracy walker in the draft which his first year he seemed like he could have been something but more and more as the season progresses you, you kind of see he kind of looks like a reach now will Hurst was a third round pick who doesn't even see the field really and when he does he looks lost um i just feel like it's these reaches that he took in the draft now don't get me wrong i like tj hawkinson the player but the pick I don't like. Um, for a top eight pick, I, I, don't, I just don't think it needs to be a tight end. I have some stats here. The top 10 tight ends in the league this year. Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, Mark Andrews, Mike Gusecki, Evan Ingram, Logan Thomas, Noah Fant, Hunter Henry, Rob Gronkowski, George Kittle, Robert Tunyon. Do you guys know out of any of those who were taken in the top 20? Probably none of them, man. Uh, I mean, Noah Font, maybe. Yeah, only it's, it's only Noah Font. Noah Font was taken 20th overall. Besides, yeah. besides him, Travis Kelsey, third rounder. Darren Waller, sixth rounder. Mark yeah. Andrew, third rounder. Mike Gusecki, second rounder. Evan Ingram, 23rd overall pick. Logan Thomas, fourth rounder. Noah Font, 20th overall. Hunter Henry, second rounder. Rob Gronkowski, second rounder. George Kittle, fifth rounder. Robert Tunyon, undrafted. So I just think for the value yeah. of a tight end, you should not be spending a top 10 pick on a tight end. And if, I feel like if anyone line should have learned from that mistake with Eric Ebron, I know it wasn't Bob Quinn that did Eric Ebron, but that happened with the Lions. Absolutely. Fool me once, shame on me. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if we're talking... That's all it should, that's all it should have been. Yeah, I know. Exactly. And if we're talking value-based drafting, right, Okuda shouldn't have been the pick there either. I mean, you know, if you're talking about strictly value-based, positional-based drafting, you know, you don't take a cornerback in the top five. Um, you know, so that's where kind of it goes back to Bob Quinn's, you know, overconfidence in his scouting. You know, he didn't care about these trends. He's just going to, you know, go for his guy. And sometimes that's good, you know, if it pans out. But there's just a, a trend of these picks not panning out. You know, there's a couple, like I said, you know, Galladay and, and you know, Panasini and a couple others. But for the most part, um, the picks we thought that were reaches, Mm-hmm. ended up being reaches and they're not panning out right and you know if the young guys that you reach on and draft or just draft not even reach just pick are not panning out then the guys you pay in free agency the big money guys the guys you bring in to you know make plays need to overperform the contract you're giving them the guys like justin coleman exactly um, you know and they're not right so if your young guys suck and your veterans suck and they're big money guys your, your cap is fucked your, your talent is fucked and your future is fucked. I mean, that's, that's the big track factor right there. Exactly. And and like you said, Trey Flowers was a big signing. But again, he was an ex-Patriots. They just threw this ridiculous amount of money at him. And he was never the sack artist. His most sacks he had in a season before he came to Detroit was seven. And I think he matched that in Detroit or might have beat it with one sack. But this year, he's not even performing to his contract level at all. To get $90 million, and I believe $40 million was guaranteed, that is a terrible contract to throw at someone that's barely getting you seven sacks. And especially... And he's got the second highest cap on the team right Exactly. Now, so. And especially with the D-line being one of our biggest problems and no pressure being applied on the quarterback. And one of our guys is sitting there making $90 million to get two sacks a season so far. Right. All right, Matt, what do you think? Why Why do you think the team went from that nine and seven to 
this big of a dismay. Uh, I do believe it all started with the firing of Jim Caldwell. I also was not huge on Jim Caldwell towards those end of the years because I did think we were playoff ready teams. Um, but I thought he had the respect of the locker room and that's the biggest thing. And I think they wanted to ride it out one more year and Bob Quinn was ready to pull the trigger and he pulled the trigger. So I think that left a bad taste in a lot of the go- those guys' mouths, especially those defensive guys, those captains, Darius Slay. Um, and then going into the 2018 season, mm-hmm. that would have been when is that when they traded Slay? I believe. Uh, I believe that was last offseason. Yeah, 2019. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. At that point, there was just no relationship anywhere, and you saw it. You saw it in Slay's words and Slay's interviews, <laughs> Slay's tweets. You, you knew that that relationship was gone. So they just, I just don't believe they were a unit at that point. And then just each year, it got worse and worse. More and more guys were added to that kill list. Um, Quandre Diggs, they just scooted him right out of town. Snacks Harrison, like I said, I thought he could have been here at least another year. And they just did not care about resigning him. Um, and it just left a bad taste in everybody's mouths. And we are where we are now with this cap space and where we are with our future with no... Uh, bright spots especially in our defense um we have to start from the ground up and that's where we go exactly and the scary thing is i think this is now going to be a two three year slow rebuild rather than a retool that we could have done if we had the right players on the roster because if you look at it when you have elite talent like matthew stafford when you have a quarterback there all you have to do is just put a team around a quarterback people in the league die to just have a quarterback uh 49ers would probably give anything to have matt stafford right now they have a complete team ready for him to go all they need is a matt stafford type and i feel like that's all detroit lacked on building was around matt stafford um i feel like an example of that is the colts they learned the hard way they andrew luck had to retire for them to realize okay we got to build this team from the trenches up and i feel like that's what needs to happen on the future of this team and we'll get to that later this team was never built from the trenches up. I do give Bob Quinn credit for trying to build the offensive line. Uh, talked about it earlier. Decker, Graham Gra- Glasgow, even though he's not here anymore. Craig now, Rick Wagner, Jonah Jackson, Big B. These were all their signings, even though I don't like the Big B signing. But at least he tried to build that old line. <clears throat> I feel like for the next GM, when they come in, it's, it, it needs to start from the trenches. No, I, I'd yeah, agree I, with I that. Think I, I think it starts philosophy. going into this year. No, I was just saying, I, I think I share a similar philosophy to you. It has to be built from the trenches especially on defense you know you can say the linebackers are garbage and, and the secondary is garbage but you know it starts with d-line you know if you're getting interior and, and edge pressure you know it makes everybody's life easier and that's kind of just a general philosophy for me as well look i thought it should have started this year instead of the jeff okuda pick if you weren't going to get tua there at number three to back up mass staff for a year to build up tua as your quarterback i really was hoping they would grab isaiah simmons from clemson but that didn't happen either so we're stuck with a corner at number three. Yeah, I really wanted them. So to... we could have started the we could have started those building blocks already, but once again, it was exactly. A if, you, if you think about it, these last two drafts in hindsight is twenty twenty. But if, if last year instead of TJ Hawkinson, which obviously he's a Pro Bowl level player, but I just don't like the where he was picked. But in, if, instead of TJ Hawkinson, you take Ed Oliver last year, and then this year instead of Jeff Okuda, if you take a Derek Brown or a Javon Kinlaw. Imagine what our defensive line would look like just by those two players being added onto the defensive line. I have a question for you too. So what do you guys think is important for our defense? Do you think it's important to have a really good front four and an average secondary or a really good secondary and an average front four? Definitely. I go with the um, really good interior front four 
and just an average secondary. You know, like I said, it makes everybody's life easier if you're getting interior and edge pressure. You can get away with having a an average secondary, right? Even if, if look at the pieces we have, right? Orowarie, um, and Okuda. Those are good. I guess technically those are still good building blocks, mm-hmm. right? Um, in, in today's NFL, you're probably still going to need two new starting corners. I don't know about Trufant and, and Coleman. You know, they're, I don't know about those guys. You're still going to need some talent on that team, uh, you know, in that position group. But you know, those guys can survive. I think if you if you surround them with a really really good D line, and you know, it's not it's not too far away. You know, if, if they you know draft a D lineman in the top ten. And then bring in a, a big splash D line signing. They're not far away. They have Trey Flowers. They have Aquara. They have Jamie Collins. You know, those are on paper. Those are good pieces, right? They're not far away, but it's going to take some major blocks to get there. You know what I mean? I agree. What about you, Matt? I agree with German as well. Yeah, I agree with German as well. Um, I think that you can find uh, good secondary player, players through free agency. I always feel like you can find a diamond in the rough. When it comes to the secondary, someone always steps up. But if you can't pressure the quarterback, if you can't get sacks, if you can't get hurries, um, you're not going to succeed as a defense, I don't think. So that, I, I think it's really important to have a good, good defensive line, good front four that can get to the quarterback, make uncomfortable throws. So those guys that are defending the receivers, it's easier for them as well. I agree. And my example is look at when we played uh, Aaron Rodgers with a good D line. We, we made him have horrible throws, horrible throws, and we had an average secondary at the time, and we beat Green Bay doing that. I think that's why it's very important for us to build in the trenches. It's just the trenches can hide average secondary play, average linebacker play, average safety play. Um, but having an average secondary cannot hide. I mean, having a really good secondary cannot hide having an average D line. If they're not going to get pressure, which the lines are showing a great example of, they're just going to get shredded all day long. Who's in your backfield? true i think they have some good building uh blocks there on the defensive line like he was saying but you got to get guys to buy in you guys got you got to get be able to develop these young guys these older guys got to be able to be peers for these uh guys to get them to understand the goal okwara austin bryant guys like that have great potential but they need leadership no agreed and talking about okwara since you brought him up what what are, what are you guys thinking about doing this offseason if you were the gm Okwara is going to be a free agent. He has nine sacks on the year. He's having a breakout year. And Kenny Galladay is a free agent. With the cap space coming down, you're only going to probably be, be able to retain one of them. Which one are you guys retaining and why? Depends what the price is, right? I mean, I think at the beginning, the beginning of the season, Galladay was looking for like 18 mil a year. He was looking for quarterback money or, or high-end DM money. Uh, I wasn't too comfortable with that price point. So I'm curious to see where he is now. I think he only played like four games this year. So... Um, you know, my ideal price for him would be like 13, 14 mil a year. Um, and in that case, I'd definitely bring Galladay back. You know, even at 17, 18, I'd consider it. You know, he's a baller, to be honest. I mean, he's been carrying this offense. You know, him and Stafford have been carrying this offense for the past two, three years. Um, and, you know, he's a good block you want on the team. He's a good chemistry guy. He's a good locker room guy. Galladay's probably one of the top priorities for me. Kukwara as well. I know how much of his game was system. You know, he's probably one of the only guys that has succeeded in this system over the past four years. You know, I don't know if he's, you know, an interchangeable part is what I'm trying to say. Him, you know, and, and the fact that his brother's on, brother's on the team now as well, uh, make me want to keep him around, but I don't know what I want to pay him. I definitely would you know, pay him top or even mid, mid-high-end mid money. You know, probably seven, eight years is, you know, where I'd be comfortable. Right, with. right. You, Matt. 
Yeah, just with the cash that's available, I think you got to go for Galladay. I think he's going to still around 15, to be honest. Uh, I think that's something they're going to have to go for. Uh, Opara would be a great piece to also keep on the defense, but when it comes down to it, you need to have Galladay in your offense. I think they're going to end up... I don't think they're going to re-sign Marvin Jones. So if you're going to do anything, you have to keep Galladay around. Yeah. And just to put the cap in perspective for the fans, uh, in 2012, the cap was at $120.6 million, And it rose all the way to $198.2 million in 2020. And just to put it in perspective, in 21, the cap is expected to drop because of COVID pandemic. And it's expected to drop to around $176 million. And we've already got huge cap hits on the next season with Matt Stafford, Trey Flowers, B, there was another one, Jeff Desmond, Desmond Trufant, uh, exactly, Bounds. all these players that are huge on the cap next year. I feel like my opinion in this would be to try to retain Okawara. I just feel like wide receivers are a diamond dozen in the draft now. It's easier to find a diamond in the rough at wide receiver than it is at the end, and we finally have a good D end. And I feel like we need to do whatever we can to resign him because our defensive line is already so depleted. If we let him go, we're basically one again with no good player on the D line at all, besides his brother, who we haven't really seen this season, though. So I really would like to see Okawara retained. It's not a bad decision. He's he's a great player, I believe. Okay, talking about space next season, what do you guys think is going to happen with Matt Stafford? Um, you guys already know he's a huge cap hit on the cap next year. And I believe if he's traded, he's still going to be a 24.8 cap hit to our dead cap. So do you think we should just keep him on the roster for another season and then try to keep a season after? Or do you think we trade him this offseason? I've always been a keep Matt Stafford around guy. I've always thought that the trade Stafford talk was ridiculous up until now. Um, you know, I could definitely see him being moved and you know just starting from scratch um trading stafford getting those assets and investing in the defense right if you can get two picks and you can get two immediate starters on the defense you know that's that's okay right that's good he's a good good quarterback right and i think he would succeed in, in any other offense and seeing him go to like like pittsburgh or something and, and take over for big ben and, and go to the playoffs you know that probably that hurt a lot so i don't know um, averse to trading him uh, but I would like to see him around um, both I guess, out of out of the rut it's in get some talent influx into the defense you know I think it would be be the right move you Matt uh, Stafford will be on the roster going into next year just yet just because their focus is going to be on this GM and head coach situation they're going to go into next season with him and then see what their options are going forward from there that uh, being said, I don't know what they do with their draft pick this year. Um, I'm not sure what they're going to do with their draft pick this year because we're in a dead spot right now. That's really my opinion on it. I don't. If they keep Stafford or move Stafford, they need to draft a quarterback high. Um, you know, for when Stafford's moved or when he's not here anymore, they need an immediate plan, someone to step in and, and, and continue what we're building. No, I know there's a lot of needs on this team, but this team's inability to have a good backup quarterback or even a, a future back future quarterback, you know, that's learning behind Stafford is is crazy. That's you know, going back to you know why we're here and how do we get here. Bob Quinn's inability to sign a, a decent backup quarterback or draft a decent backup quarterback. You know, we know Stafford has an injury history. Uh, you know, I know he's healthy for you know the mid part of his career, but the past three, four, two, three years, it's been injury hell for him. And 
And then who, who the hell is David Blau? <laughs> who, I mean, Chase Daniels? Come on, man. Like, it's argue, it can be argued that you know, <laughs> backup quarterback is the second most important position on the team. And, and for this team not to be able to fill that, a good veteran or proper draft pick that can step in and, and be ready and be ready for the future is, is baffling to me. Yeah, and I believe I believe Stafford will be here at least one more year just because of that big dead cap hit. That's a huge number. Unless he himself asks for a trade, I think he'll be on the roster next year just because of that big dead cap hit. The salary cap is coming down, and I feel like the Lions can't afford to add cap if they don't need to. And that's why I feel like he needs to be there, and he can just be there to mentor our young QB if we get one this draft. But I feel like. I feel like this draft is not the right time to get one. I feel like it's the next draft just because we have so many needs. This draft, we're in a good position. This uh, draft has a lot of tackles. I would like to see them take offensive tackle and shore up this offensive line, make sure that whoever coming in after Stafford is going to be able to stand back there and throw the ball. We've seen Stafford barely get a couple seconds this season and the right side get blown up and he's being sacked as soon as the ball is hiked, basically. So that's my opinion on Stafford. I think he'll be here just because of that dead cap hit, at least for one more season, unless, like I said, he asked for a trade. Say about Stafford is I do hope that at some point in these next couple of years, he gets to go somewhere where he can win and get in the playoffs. I, I, it does happen. Oh, him. I agree. He deserves it. He's 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 like the Justin Verlander of, of football right now. Uh, just can't just can't, just yeah, can't get over yeah, the hump. Absolutely. Well, he can't even get to the hump right now, but it's, it's mainly because of the owners. <laughs> going to talk about the team needs into this offseason we've already alluded to how this team is so uh this roster it's everywhere basically at wide receiver at d-line at linebackers at, we could hell we could use a corner because hopefully trafont will be gone next year safeties uh offense um what, what is the most important to address this offseason what would you guys do with that first over uh first round? at best i think they have to go quarterback this year um, even if you do keep Stafford, you got to get one of these young guys in there. You got to groom them a little bit. And if Stafford's got to take a year just to groom a young guy, I think they need to go for it. Um, and if they're not going to do that, whoever the best uh, defensive player available at the time would be. Um, but then that also gives me at a stalemate because I believe that Alabama would also be a great draft pick, but that would only be if Stafford was here long term, and we all know that that's not his plan. So I don't think a wide receiver would be smart at that pick. Okay, German, how about you? I can't really speak on you know what players they should draft or what needs they should fill at the moment or what they're going to do. I think we could probably talk more about that once we have the GM and coaching place. Um, team needs for next year. They need probably four or five new linebackers. They need a completely new linebacking group. On our roster, on our roster at least, uh, next uh, maybe I guess keep Ragland around if you want. Uh, keep, uh, but besides that, you need good out there. Some something you can build on, something you can grow with. Uh, earlier in this NFL, you know, nickel cornerback is essentially a starting player, so you need to invest in a good nickel cornerback, maybe two. Uh, you know, one that can probably switch outside as well. Um, you know, there, there's kind of a, a hodgepodge of players there right now. Uh, and can we solidify that to make that one of the strengths of the team? So those would be my major needs for next season. Of course, there's many, many more, but um, immediate team needs to, to stabilize this team um, as, as well as a developmental quarterback somewhat or somewhere. Okay. All right. How about you? I think like the needs into this offseason are going to be, again, I'll repeat it over and over. I think it should start in the trenches. 
we do as of right now have the seventh overall pick i believe and that can go all the way up to the third depending on what happens this weekend or if we win obviously we can fall down further but i believe if we stay at seven which we're projected at right now we should trade back and try to give an offensive tackle first i i really feel like this line has been a problem for long enough and we need to finally address it we have about the left side fixed all we need is a couple pieces on the right and i think this will be one of the better offensive lines in the league if we just address that um that's why offensive line is where we should start and then after that pick all defense for all i care that defense is terrible we, we need almost everybody replaced over there <laughs> this this defense has so much work to do and like you said there's a couple bu- building blocks like awarie jeff akuda they can do good but whoever the new gm is he's gonna have a lot a lot a lot of work to do there's 23 pending free agents out of the 55 man roster so he's gonna come in here with a hell of a job to do it's gonna it's gonna be a rough first couple of years i believe and I, I don't expect to be winning anytime soon with 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 how our working and the amount of free agents we have these next couple of years and with the cap space going down cap space is the most important thing right now and with that coming down next year with the COVID pandemic, it's going to make it a harder job for the new GM, especially with these 23 free agents, two of them being your best wide receivers. So we have a lot of work to do. Yeah, that's for sure. Here, I guess what we'll stop with and what we'll end it off with is who do you guys want to see hired in the GM and head coach spot and why? Yeah, so before I start naming off some candidates, you know, I think just an overall you know, theme should be how how feasible is it for them to carry over their vision to Detroit, right? So looking back at Quinn and Patricia, yeah, they had success, and yeah, you know what they did in New England worked, but was it really feasible for them to carry that over to Detroit? You know, looking back, it probably wasn't. Um, so that's probably one of the overarching themes that I'll be looking for uh, for both a head coach and a GM, and it's that I think would be good. Um, so for the number one choice would be Ed Dodds. He's kind of uh, you know assistant GM and. Indy right now. He was in Seattle before that, I believe. Um, and, you know, I think he's one of the most coveted names out there. Uh, from choice. From there, I'd go with Rick Smith. Uh, he's pretty much a Houston uh, tech. Um, he's a great uh, round. You know, he's gotten uh, J.J. Watt, uh, Whitney Merciless, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. He traded up for, uh, for Deshaun Watson. Um, he's shown that he can go out and get his guys uh, you know, he didn't go out and get Watson until, you know, he had tried essentially everything else at quarterback, you know, Matt Schaub. Um, so it took a while for him to, you know, go up and, and get his guy. But, you know, I think if he gets another shot, he'll learn from those experiences and know, you know, hey, I need to get my guy now and I need to get him early to build on. So uh, he's probably learned from that. So that's probably one of my guys. And, and he's one of the guys that can say he's never been fired, right? He kind of stepped down from in Houston because his wife was dealing with some health issues so um, you know this is probably one of the only guys on the list that has severe experience and has said he's never been fired can say he's never been fired before and he's been on all levels of, of football as well I think he was a, a DB in the NFL then he, he was a, a coach an assistant coach uh, I think he coached DBs and linebackers then he moved to the pro personnel in the front office and, and grew and um, grew all the way up to uh, obviously GM so um, that's one of my guys um, Tom Dimitrov, uh, previously of the Falcons. Um, what he's done with the Falcons, he had some good draft success as well. Uh, Matt Ryan, uh, Julio Jones, uh, you know, he traded up to get Julio as well, so he's shown the ability to go and get his guys if he wants. Um, uh, and guys, for him, for him, he was never able to solidify that defense for the Falcons. 
um, at D-line and, and just never solidified. Um, but since the Falcons fired their coach, um, this year has been playing really, really well. So, you know, that kind of goes to show it could have been a head coach issue there and not a GM issue. They have the talent. So, um, yeah, Thomas Dimitrov is my third guy there. Um, you know, just in general, another overarching theme I'm looking for is guys that have, have been in different you know, you, you want guys that have seen different types of football, uh, worked with numerous different types of guys, um, and succeeded in, the, in those environments. Uh, another uh, look back on the Patricia Quinn thing, you know, both of them had only spent time with the Patriots, and they only knew the Patriots' way. Uh, maybe that go, they had an inability to, to shift the game plan on the fly. They just didn't know anything else. Um, so that's something I'm looking for in my GMs. Okay, what about head coach? Um, head coach with a defensive coach, then the next guy is going to be an offensive guy. I don't think so. You know, this defense is such bad shape. You know, I'd be open to a, a defensive guy. You know, ideally, I'd want someone with experience um, to bring in a, a defensive guy, like a young guy who has brings in a, a very, um, you know, staff. So my top guy would be uh, Robert Sala. Uh, guy, he's from the area. His his 49ers defenses have been stacked. They play well. They they shift their game plan from from team to team, and, and they're well prepared. Um, stepping away from football, just the the character aspect of it as well. You know, he's a good guy. He's part of the community. Um, and around here, he went to Michigan Tech. He played at Michigan Tech. He coached at MSU. Um, and just the local ties, and, and you know, I think that'll really help mend the you know, the, the things that. Patricia and Quinn did to lose the fans. Yeah, and you year. see what he did this year with um, all those injuries on that team. He still has that defense playing at a high level. Look at what they just did to the Cardinals recently. I mean, he gets he gets the most out of his players, and that's what's exciting to see. And then my, my other two guys are, are Arthur Smith, offensive coordinator from Tennessee. You know, everyone thought Tannehill was a bum after, you know, after his time in in Miami. Uh, Miami, and, and, you know, he's um, Arthur Smith has turned Tendo's career around. Uh, the offense is, is looking lethal. You know, how much of it is Derrick Henry? I'm not sure. So that just goes back to, is that transferable to Detroit? Um, uh, but I, I like the type of, you know, offense they run. And uh, even that Patriots kind of style as well. So I know people think that's a negative, but I guess for the pieces we have and, you know, the, the schemes they fit, it may not be the worst transition. It may be a smoother transition. So um, that's Arthur Smith. And then third guy is just Urban Meyer. You know, I, I know it's a gimmick. It may be a gimmick, but, you know, he's a seasoned coach. He's won. Uh, you know, he's respected. And, you know, I think, you know, just from a PR standpoint, the Lions need something to you know, boost their PR value, you know, throughout the league and throughout the country and on national TV and stuff. You know, I'm sick of being a laughing stock. You know, they may, that may bring some credibility to the team. Okay. Okay. How about you, Matt? What would you like to see the Lions bring in? I think that the Lions are going to make the decision of two guys are going to come from the same organization. Um, as far as the San Francisco 49ers go, their vice president of player personnel, Adam Peters, um, been with the team since 2017. If they want to get uh, Robert Sala, I think that these guys are going to come together. Um, you know, they're very high on Robert Sala. So that would be another um, option I would go with, um, of course. It's a smart decision. Richard Sherman recently was uh, being interviewed, just highly praising Salah. So it's a guy you could definitely give a chance to, um, a guy that would earn the respect of the locker room as well. And then the other two choices I would see happening or could happening, at least interviewing, would be 
Mike Borganzi, he director of football operations for the Chiefs, and then um, Eric Bieniemy, who's the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs. I think those are guys that can come in, do different things with the offense. I think that is where you would see them draft a quarterback in the first round um, and kind of build that offense from the ground up from that standpoint while still putting a, a focus into the defense and getting some young guys on the defense and uh, just full face of the Detroit Lions okay. right now. Um, somebody brought in as a GM is at Dodds. I know Gurman hit on him, but he was huge with the Seahawks. Um, he helped bring to Wilson. They actually give him credit directly for assembling the Legion of Boom, which if you guys remember that, that was a phenomenal secondary. And if I can assemble a team like that, I, I want him in Detroit. <laughs> I want that guy to come build up our secondary, our D-line. Uh, like I said, he helped bring in Russell Wilson there too. And look what he turned out to be. I feel like the league is evolving, and we, we, we as the Lions, have not evolved yet. We're still running the same old basic offensive plays. We, we ran a basic-ass defense. That's why we got torn up. Um, I really would like to come in. Uh, another guy is Lewis Riddick. Uh, he's a scout. I feel like he just knows the type of players to bring in. Uh, he the draft process every year, so I feel like he sees the great players that are coming into the draft, and I feel like his philosophy would be best player available instead of just reaching for needs like Bob Quinn did the last four years. And we need somebody that's going to come in and just take the best player available and hope for the best. Um, I know Martin Mayhew kind of did that, and it wasn't it didn't work out the greatest, but it did bring us Sue. It brought us Nick Barely, uh, a couple other great guys. So it really helped build our defense at the time. So I feel like we need somebody that's going to come in and just make the common sense moves. That's not going to overthink little processes. That's not going to the freaking draft room and think he's all that. I can't stand that guy. Um, so I feel like these two guys would be great for the GM position as a head coach. The only person I'm going after right now is Soleil. I feel like him being from Detroit, he'd have that passion. He'd feel what we're feeling right now. The misery that we've been going through for years and years. I feel like if he came here, he would have that passion to turn the team around. Like German alluded to earlier, his family is from here. He'd want to make them proud. He'd want to make Detroit proud. His defensive players love, love playing for him. He's not this arrogant asshole that Matt Patricia was. So I feel like we need to bring these guys in and start turning this team into the right direction. And I think it was a great hire by the Lions to bring in Chris Spielman to help with the process. Um, he's a smart, uh, whenever I watch commentary, he's usually doing good commentary. And I feel like he'll help bring in the right guy too. The direction they're going in, you know, by bringing bringing in these guys who are close to the area, close to the Lions. So it'd be a good thing. I think he'd win over the line. And it's about time to get help from a football knowledgeable guy instead of, uh, I don't even know, Rod Smith came from. (laughs) All right, guys, that will conclude episode two of Saved by the Ball. Thanks for tuning in. Um, Again, we're just starting out. This was only episode two. Give us your guys' feedback. Let us know the areas we can improve topics we can talk about um so we we don't care we want to get better at this we enjoy doing this we're just trying to bring different type of insight to you guys more information to you guys for the people that might not know the little thing so bring in all right i'll i'll